You can find some links to donate to humanitarian crisis appeals for Ukraine in the show notes for today's show. Hey, welcome back to Brogan's Run. This is Neil Brogan. Thanks for tuning back in again. Uh, This is episode four, part two of my conversation with Christian Donaghy records and performs as Autumns and this conversation was recorded in early January of this year. This episode does contain strong language from the outset so discretion is advised. Let's jump back in, this is Autumns. titles because they've got progressively funnier (laughs) um and more kind of like absurdly confrontational i've written a list of them here um some of my faves uh annoying fucker spot the dickhead praise the bastard remember me you fuck (laughs) i like this this is probably my favorite take your leather gloves and fuck off yeah, that is a, that's one of my favorites too. Uh, get it booked, you bastard. <laughs> and, you're not an artist, you're a dickhead. Sad old bastard. Fuck you, Autumns. Um, <laughs> when you are when you come out with those, are you, are you just having a laugh? Are you kind of thinking of specific people? Or are you just, you know, is it kind of like the mad belligerence of some of the music? You're kind of just like, putting a title on that to be funny or what's that about like um i'm never actually thinking about it in terms of music like i've kind of whenever i finish a song i don't name it until you know i'm exporting the audio or whatever but it kind of mm-hmm. goes between thinking about something and just having a laugh fuck you autumns is just like a retaliation then on myself yeah from saying that it's kind of like if i give grief i have to give it back to myself kind of yeah, but it's like it's so kind of like absurdly like in your face that you couldn't really start to take that seriously. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? like, um, but they're just funny, and they always kind of jump out at you. Those titles, I always look for the titles whenever I see you put something out. I'm like, right, what's he what's he putting out this time? Yeah. <laughs> what are the titles? There's expectation though, you know. Yeah, totally, totally. You've got to like start trying to maintain. It, That's it's that high standard. It's the best when there's DJs and you know they do DJ mixes and you see your song titles next to <laughs> others. <laughs> Everyone else's is like the pain of pleasure and all these really you know corny yeah, techno people totally. trying to be deep, and then mine yeah. says you know get it booked you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> get it booked you bastard does seem like quite an honest. It just seems like that's a, a really. Um, what's the word that reflects the reality of what you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's um, it's, do you know that guy? This is where it came from. And hopefully you'll know the guy. It's this guy who was on X factor and he was like in his sixties and he had like long hair, but kind of oh, bald. That guy. 
bad yeah, nerd guy. And he still you does. Know that it's like the shout out things. Yes, yes. And he said something like, get it booked, uh, something else. And I, it just cracked me up every time I heard it because it was about, you know, about a stag do. He was like, right. get it booked, you madman. And I was like, that is the <laughs> best thing ever. So I decided to go and reference the gigs, you know, get it yeah. booked, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, I get it. He's like, I don't know if it's, he must be still on the go doing those shows. Probably, yeah. I know, like, he did one for East Belfast. That's right. That Mark Reed got busy or, <laughs> or somebody. Um, yeah, I must. I must have a look at some of those. Shout-outs. Inspiration can hit at any time, you know. I know, man. Well, like that's just it, isn't it? Um, and like that mad kind of aggressive side of it, like it's kind of built up over the years. So I was listening to like dyslexia, not dyslexia tracks, the um, the, the w- sound system one, one? yeah. Yeah, and it has this because it's so dubby. Um, like normally dub is this kind of weird, soft, you know, stoned out kind of space. Um, but this is like being slapped around, <laughs> you know, with yeah. a big with a big delay. And um, but it's great. Like it feels really invigorating to listen to. Um, you know, it has this kind of mad, refracted, bouncing around the walls kind of. Um, character to it, um, but there's like this aggression in there. You know what I mean? Um, is that like, are you aware of that, or is it intentional, or like, where does that come from? Um, good question. I, it's not intentional, um, but <laughs> I also think I'm very of the school of. I don't like when people it. For example, it used to always bug me if you're like looking to buy a guitar pedal. And they would do this thing where they put the effect at like 20%. It, it would drive me fucking insane. I'm like, turn it up to 100. I want to hear what it's doing. <laughs> so that is very in my music. It's either 100% doing what it's supposed to do. You know, there's just no subtleties to it at all, which I guess right. in a lot of ways is what dub music is in a way. But I guess it's the kind of introduction I got to dub music, which was more the adrian sherwood on new sound so you know he took mm-hmm. his love of classic dub dub reggae and all that stepper stuff and found you know the sluts and the new age steppers and mark stewart from the pop right. group so it was always a bit of you know which was just complete music that i've been dreaming of <laughs> and then i find it it always kind of intersected with that post-punk thing that you started out with so it was almost yeah. like Eventually, we're gonna find that if you're making a song like that, yeah, or track. What what's the ingredients? Is it the same kind of live setup that you have that you would use for recording? That's literally, you know, you're, you're spot on. Like I've well, at the time it was a different synth uh, and a drum machine, which I still have. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, usually, literally, what I use live is the only things I own. Right. Um, I've never um, been really a gear collector. Um, so it was just yeah i i have a bit more guitar pedals but nothing extreme or batik you know it's always like a digitone or whatever you know and you were, were you recording recently because i remember we were trying to sort this out uh to try and arrange this a few weeks ago and you said you were going in a studio or something is that right yeah that's it's it's funny because now i want to do autumns and like three parts kind of 
I want to do like, I guess, like club items, like playing in clubs, doing electronic. I want to do the dub stuff live. Right. And then I want to do band items too. Um, band items? So, yeah. Like, what do you mean by that? I guess, you know, different music in terms of, not completely different, still doing the, in the same vein, but yeah, getting like two other people or three other people to do it live with me. Very one-off things. It's not going to be like my main thing, but I just, I'm sick of, I'm just sick of people and artists in general just making other names for all their projects. I think it's more interesting when it's under the one umbrella. So instead of like trying to do this whole new thing. Right. That was something I was going to ask you about because I was going to say, you know, you've always stuck with Autumn's and Autumn's started out as a kind of like a solo thing and then it turned into a band and it sounded like a band name, but it's now like, yeah. you know, you're playing clubs and stuff and you're probably like a lot of people playing clubs might not have a name like that. And I was going to ask you, have you ever thought about having something, doing something completely different under a different name? But what you're saying is you want to do something different, but keep the same name and just have it all as one thing. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Like I just think the only time I would like a different name for something is if I do something with uh, another person that's like, you know, its own songs, its own tracks. I don't want to, I think that deserves a name. I don't want it to right. be Autumn's and whoever. Just, I just love band names and stuff. I just right. think it's great. Um, but I, for me, it's more interesting when groups, you know, I love bands that their first album sounds like an indie pop record. And then like 10 years later, they're making like metal. <laughs> like, I just love that idea and just how disastrous yeah. that can be for a fan. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you're always going to get people who are like, oh, like what? did they ever do you know when did it go wrong what stage yeah very few bands can really pull that off and take people with Fuck, them I, I don't even know if i can't name you one well i'm thinking maybe like maybe not specifically those definitions of metal or whatever but yeah i'm thinking of like bands like maybe talking heads so kind of where they went you know yeah true from the beginning to where it ended up mm. you know um there's very few examples of people like being able to bring that original audience along, you know? Yeah. Especially the way things are now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so you you went in a studio with some other people and is it a like mostly electronic stuff or what's the kind of uh, setup? The whole thing with the studio now is it's, I'm not even doing with other people in the studio. I'm still doing it myself. Um, I usually right. record like literally, I record 95% of everything at home, but the whole Uh purpose of the studio is to put things through some amps. I always do my vocals through guitar amps. Uh, I want to put my sounds through at least one through an amp so I can blend Mm -hmm. it in with the direct stuff, the the classic Mm -hmm. stuff, except for it's not with guitars. Um, Because I do think it makes a huge difference. Um, But now... Oh, absolutely. It's a game changer. Once I started doing it a few years ago, it was like, I'm never going back mm-hmm. to just going straight on. But with the, I do want to get some live drums down. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. basically working on like, for me, I see myself having like um, three albums so far and there's things that surround it. So now in my head, I'm going in to do and I'm making a fourth album. Right. It's because I was kind of looking through your 
discography and it's hard to separate what's an album and what's not like what's just a track yeah. or what's on a compilation and uh, mm. looking recently it's like you've been putting out a track at least a track like practically every month over the last sort of few months which is great you know i'm i'm all for that i think that's great suffocating brothers is the first album it's like a first right. proper full length and then um it goes to shortly after nothing which is in 2019 mm-hmm. um and then it went dyslexia sound system which was last year obviously um yeah those are kind of what i see as the three albums and the rest right. is everything else you know it's it's for me, it's like if I get an email, someone look for a track, and I dig the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to send them something. Like I'm recording every day, so it's yeah. I have things to send out. I'm not short of songs. No, totally, and that's what's great about what you do. You just have this, like, um, you know, you've got so many releases across so many labels, and like, there's just so much dissemination of of your stuff out there. You know. And like, there's so much to dig into, and um, I, I mean, I, th- I think the way you've got it worked out at the minute is great because it's not like an album kind of sequence that you're always f- trying to follow. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you're not like, you know, the way bands have this really boring routine of, um, you know, they have their album campaign and then they kind of like <laughs> fuck off for a while and then they come back and and start again. They drop yeah, a single and, the and blah blah blah. And do all that stuff. Whereas you're just like constantly scattershot, like something be out every you know month or two or whatever, and yeah. and then an album will come along in between other stuff, and it might be like two weeks after something else, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's great. It's just like saturation, and it's not focusing on one kind of format, you know. Um, it's something for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's great to hear, because there's been a couple of occasions where I've kind of felt maybe it's too much or um, maybe just um, being impatient and just wanting to send everything out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think now it's kind of, it's like, fuck it. It's whatever, you know, it's, it's yeah. music. I'm not <laughs> precious about songs. It's not a big deal, you know? It's fun to see a release, you know. It's always a buzz yeah. to see something come out, digital, yeah. cassette, or vinyl, whatever. It's it's yeah. all nice. Yeah, and I think I agree with that. I'm also, I would say, impatient, and I hate sitting on stuff for ages because oh, it sits the there, worst. and then you don't want really like it after a while. So it has to come out. So, and the problem I think with stuff like vinyl is there's these huge lead times now and you've got to wait like six months to a year before you can put it out on vinyl. But in the meantime, you can just be, you know, putting stuff out there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why wait? Um, so I guess you've got the, the record or the, this album that you're working on um, and that will come out on more formats. But in the meantime, there's other stuff. 
and yeah hopefully are you planning some shows or hopefully i mean it's hard to know right now obviously because of all the madness i've been quite lucky in the sense i kind of lucked out with a really amazing booking agent um mm. about 2018 and it you know it, it sounds really corny but I ended up with a really good friend you know who's just so happens to be my booking agent at this stage right um so offers are coming in and i kind of if it makes sense to do it and i'm happy to do it then i'll do it but from february onwards it seems like i'm gonna be playing pretty regularly and the great thing about the whole playing by yourself it's usually weekends it doesn't have to be like this month long yeah, you know that's it drawn out horrible experience <laughs> and i hate flying now so <laughs> is this gonna be around europe or it will be English dates um, starting off, I think, is the plan, and then mainly Europe. So mm-hmm. going to Spain, Lithuania, Poland, Italy, uh, Belgium, Austria, Germany. But again, it's it's not like, you know, I start in February and I end in December. It's going to be like a weekend in Spain in March, you know, mm-hmm. a weekend in Germany in, you know, May or whatever. So... Hopefully it works. <laughs> that sounds like the ideal to me, like because you don't have that hellish thing of touring around in a van with people and stuff. You just like just yeah. jump on a plane for have a nice weekend somewhere and then come yeah. home back to your normal life. It can it that can be great. more stressful at times because I don't know why, but Ireland just has like absolutely awful flights and, and times. It's like if you get any decent flight, it's always at like half seven in the morning. Um, right. But I've only had two experiences of like actually having a long-ish tour. First time being in the States, loved it. Don't think I would do it again. The second time right. I went out to the States, it was only two weeks, which was perfect. And that was like getting a flights and doing a few drives. And then I did right. a UK tour of the KVB, and that was like just under two weeks. So I think two-week mark is like the cutoff for me. Anything after, I just start to feel sick. <laughs> well, it's not a healthy... Thing, it's not really no. and i think more than two weeks i've never done i think I, the most i ever did was about three weeks with girls names around europe i think and by the end of that we were all insane like <laughs> we were just all like you know crazy and it's <laughs> a couple of weeks to de- decompress after it you know that's um, the other thing it's like i can understand why people have drug problems now <laughs> you're musicians mm-hmm. and alcohol issues yeah. it's like it's dangerous. Well, the problem is if you're on a tour, like, um, you know, the first thing that happens when you arrive somewhere is people start handing you beer and stuff and you're just drinking all the time. I find yeah. like when I was touring, um, you just constantly drink it and you get used to that. Um, and obviously like on your side of things, if you're, if you're going around clubs, it's going to be, it's going to be drugs more, than, more so than booze probably, but it's the same yeah. kind of thing. And it's not healthy, like it's not good for your brain really no. to be in that for, for too long, I don't think, you know. Yeah. Um, or just for your body. But you know, um some yeah. people have better constitutions than others, like Yeah, I just Yeah. I just have a fear of having a really good gig and my brain kinda tells me, Oh, you had three beers, you need three beers to do a good gig now. Right. You know, it, I think it's a very fine line 
of like yeah. kind of stuff. Maybe that even leads to this superstition, but I feel like I'd have the type of brain that would make me think that. So I tend now, I just kind of go, you know, have a beer or two max before a gig. Yeah. And yeah. then would agree kind of, with that. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't be tech. Like I'm thinking more of like when I was playing an instrument, if it was a guitar or trying to play the drums, I just couldn't do it if I'd had more than two or three drinks, like <laughs> I made too many mistakes. Yeah. I wasn't technically proficient enough to do that, but it's more like afterwards people just giving you booze and stuff. Like that's fine if it's just for a couple of nights, but if it goes on and on for like two or three weeks, by the end of that, you're just a wreck. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like the first time I done the States, I was like, I would say that's the most I've ever drank a space of time. And that was a month long, and I was like, "Oh my god, I get it now!" Like, and it, it took me not yeah. just because of jet lag or anything. It, it took me like three weeks, maybe a month, to settle, and that was the worst part. Yeah. It's just kind of yeah. because it felt like the classic thing of you know, it hits a certain time and you just start to get nervous. Yeah, and that's you're just it. anticipating the gig, and you're just in this treadmill of like travel and sitting all day something in some kind of vehicle and then you're eating bad food as well and you're not sleeping very well and it all like turns into this perfect storm so at some point if you're with a group of people there'll be some kind of meltdown <laughs> like, yeah. you know somebody will crack up yeah or everybody will crack up you know um i don't know yeah. i don't know how people do it like um but that's great man that you've got stuff lined up and you know um, COVID permitting and all the rest. Hopefully that all goes ahead and it happens. And yeah, um, hopefully that sounds good, man. And um, what about so this record you've been working on? When do you think that might come out? And like, what label? Uh, you know? it, it's early stages, but that stuff kind of comes to me towards the end, maybe. And it's always came about from me sending it to someone, and they either have a label. But I would just send them music anyway to update them, being like, oh, I've made some tunes. You might want to DJ some of it or play it on a radio show, like NTS or Nudes Radio or whatever. But with mm-hmm. this one, uh, I would love for it to come out this year. But like last year, I was supposed to have like three records out vinyl and, and they've all been pushed back to this year. So it probably makes yeah, no sense to release an album this year. It might even be worth maybe working on it for a bit longer. But I would also get worried that I like think it's shit by the time it comes around. <laughs> That's the worry, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Then you've got you've so you've got these three thing three things in the pipeline then that they're due to come out on, on vinyl this year. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Year? It should have right. came out around all of them from probably about August onwards. Yeah, it was gonna be pretty consistent. It's it's, it's EPs and it's um, right. Got some great song titles. I could I could tell you one of them, okay. which is one of my favorites. Um, exclusive. It's called North Coast Wankers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's a cracker, man! I'm excited. Coming out I'm on a German label, you know, seeing people in Germany <laughs> react to that, thinking, "What is this?" No context. Nothing. Amazing. I think that's even better, isn't it? it? Yeah, that's great, man. I think as well, and you'll probably agree with this with my own music, it's not obviously, it's kind of in between lo-fi and hi-fi. 
and to my ears anyway and that's always been the music i loved and i remember getting really annoyed at sometimes because i was like god everyone else's music sounds so much louder and it's so much pristine but i realized music like that is so charmless and it's mm. just so it gets actually the almost sometimes the better it is within reason the more bland it can be you know not trying to make something shit on purpose although that can be good yeah but it's like it, yeah. there's this weird balance and then i realized i was like yeah i was never about trying to be so pristine because i was playing in clubs and you were hearing these like literally perfect produced songs and yeah. i got worried i was like well mine sound nothing like this i'm fucked <laughs> but now i've realized no you know what and that's why i got more to the dub thing because those records in a way are like the worst mixed records ever if right. you think about it, like the drums are lower than the bass and the mix, and like the vocals are like you can't hear anything else yeah. over them. It's so I know what you it mean. It's, me it's almost like they've got a they've got a different metric for what's good um, in terms of their their mix. They're not even thinking in, in normal terms for how things are supposed to be balanced or whatever. Yeah, um, it's just like a totally different language almost. It's like a it's like a gripper record, you know. You're not going to go see Gripper and expect, you know, but if you see Gripper in a cathedral, <laughs> it's going to be the best yeah. of your life probably, you know. I think you have to find a balance when you're making music because music can fuck your head up. I think making music, if you if you let it get to you, you know, there's so much of it that can do your head in. And I think you have to find a way to do it that's that works for you and is good for you. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? And like mentally, it makes you happy to be making music. Otherwise, yeah. you shouldn't be doing it, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, um, I think that was the best thing about the pandemic for me was, like, it. so it all. I had my last gig before a pandemic in Paris, like, last weekend of February. So they Paris was already mm-hmm. had the most cases at the time, so it was, it was getting pretty dodgy. I was supposed to be in right. Poland the following weekend, and it got cancelled, and I knew it was rude. So anyway, like... I get up to about summer and I realized I was just like completely depressed, just like, just not there. And I realized it was like, I literally put all my self-worth in music, mm-hmm. like literally everything. And so I kind of had a rearrange my kind of the way I approach music in terms of what I'm trying to get out of it before I think that I probably didn't realize, but I was just in the business of it. Not yeah. trying to make money, but in the sense business of it, I was like, oh shit, I need, I need, probably need to get a gig. And if this doesn't go well, blah, blah, blah. And that's mm-hmm. really shitty to think about. But I think this is great because I was able to kind of, well, I'm more than music and I have other interests. You know, I don't want to base yeah. everything on because I was, it was like, if I had a bad gig, that was me gone for two months thinking about it. And I all still think about really? bad gigs now. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, you remember the bad ones like <laughs> But there's not I still worse. have nightmares about the odd one. Like there's a few terrible ones I can think of, like um but yeah, I totally know what you mean. Um but I guess with you you started so early, like you were so young. Um I mean you were like in your late teens and you've been doing it ever since without a break really. So I guess that gave you a chance to sort of step back and go sort of analyze it, you know. Yeah, um, and also you've been successful at it, you know. So when <laughs> yeah, you start to of. kind of 
met well you have you know you had certainly have had success and it, you measure you measure your success in terms of it but you kind of have to remember that music or this is the way i think of it is you know it's play like you're playing around with things and if you start to lose the fun from it or the original purpose of what you were trying to do and it becomes all about measuring success in some way mm. then you can it can get you down i think you know and i think like one of my issues i have now is like i really hate social media i hate the way you have to engage with it yes so to like promote things i wish there was another way to do it like because yeah. apart from just playing gigs because i just i don't know i just find the whole thing like really toxic yeah and it is yeah i think that that can like feed into your mm-hmm. if you're feeling bad about making music or whatever you're feeling bad in general it can make you feel worse yeah so i don't know i think there needs to be a conversation about how we how people who make things can get away from social media yeah <laughs> and move on from it you're you're absolutely right like recently i've been totally burnt out with it you know it's like facebook's been dead for a, a good five years you know in terms of oh, promotion yeah. and using it as a an actual way to get yourself out Facebook's there it's just horrible yeah and instagram's dead now for i'd say since the pandemic started it's like when you're from the slums right. of Derry, you're not making your name through instagram like with selfies like and it's such a boomer right. take but like i even miss gig posters you, people don't do that shit anymore it's a selfie right. you say the dates and you hope the algorithm will sort it out and it's kind of it. i'm a bit yeah. of fight or flight i'm like play the game and fucking do it your own way then once it comes to you but i'm kind of yeah. on a downer where i'm just burnt out with it i've kind of spent so much yeah. time doing it and i find that when i do fuck all and i just do the music it tends to work out better for me <laughs> yeah right and that makes sense doesn't it like I mean, there was a time when it didn't exist, social media, and we got along fine <laughs> without it. So, yeah, I don't know. We need to just find a way to like ignore it, you know. But you st- the so much. The problem is that so much communication is online now, and it's like, how do you get around it? How do you find some other way of communicating with people apart from obviously playing gigs? Um, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah, but. I mean, there's t- there's Twitter as well, but like Twitter is also oh you god, know, toxic yeah, it's as even well. worse. Yeah, I feel like you know it's weird. It's made everyone insanely competitive. Like yeah. when it comes to music, it's like someone's got six gigs and you only have three. You need ten gigs now this month. It's it's re- especially when you're like in the club regions too. It's like it becomes even more toxic. You know, it's about it really as a big corporation but thankfully you know i'm not getting those kind of gigs but i'm still playing really big gigs and no one knows who the fuck i am which is like (laughs) the best way to go about it so i kind of i'm gonna stick them in guns and just do what i do Hey, so thanks again to Christian for taking the time to have a chat with me. I'll be back very soon with a new guest and a new episode. Uh, Do tune in 
and do follow, subscribe, leave a nice review, all that nice stuff. And take care of yourselves. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.